It's about you, your health, your family, and your community. This is Sunday Morning Magazine with your host, Rodney Lear. And good morning. Welcome to Sunday Morning Magazine. It's part two of our two-part series on immigration. Last week, we touched on the history of immigration. We talked to first and second generation immigrants, and we spoke to Anila Saja from Bravo's Married to Medicine. If you missed last week's show, all you have to do is go to your favorite podcast app like Podcast One or wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear. You can also head over to our Facebook page, Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear, and follow us there. Or you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Rodney Lear on Air. Again, it's part two of our two-part series on immigration. We begin this morning with immigration reform. In the studio with me, we're joined by Samantha Searles. She is with the Inter-Community Justice and Peace Center. It's our pleasure to welcome Samantha to the show. Good morning, Samantha. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Look at that smile. People can't see that smile, but you're smiling this morning. So you're really excited to talk about this topic, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, you're with the Inter-Community Justice and Peace Center. Tell us about the center and the work you guys do there. So the Inter-Community Justice and Peace Center, our acronym is IJPC for short, we were founded in 1985 by five communities of religious women, of uh, Catholic sisters, who were trying to figure out how they could have a bigger impact in the community. And so one summer, they pooled all their resources and founded IJPC to be able to do more education and advocacy work in the community. So our mission is to educate and advocate for peace, to challenge unjust local, national, and global systems, and to promote the creation of a nonviolent society. So through the work of educating the community about different justice issues, we also... um, focus on advocacy as well to try to change those unjust systems. And right now we're working on addressing immigration, addressing the issue of human trafficking and addressing the issue of the death penalty. All right. So you guys have a lot going on to say the least. We sure do. All right. Good. Now let's talk about immigration. So explain to us what the legal pathways are to enter the U.S. Let's talk about that, if you will. Sure. So In order to become a citizen in the United States, you either have to have been born on U.S. soil or you have to go through a process called naturalization. So naturalization is the process that immigrants go through if they want to um, become U.S. citizens. It's actually a very complicated, expensive and long process. And uh, you can't just immediately enter the process. You have to come to the United States first on either a green card or a visa. So a green card is for immigrants who want to come to the United States and stay permanently. They either have family here that they want to reunite with or they have a job offer and they plan to come and move and live in the United States. The other way that immigrants come to the United States is through a visa, and those are for folks who are coming for temporary reasons, whether they're coming to go to school, coming to be a tourist and see some of our beautiful landscapes and, you know, go to Disney, or uh, they're, they're coming for a job that only needs them temporarily. So in order to access the naturalization process, you have to first qualify and apply for a visa or a green card to get in. Wow. Look at that. Now, what are some barriers to access to a green card or a visa? What are some of the barriers? And I'm sure that's what you work with people with. What are some of the barriers to get those things? Yes. So the biggest barrier is in order to even qualify 
um, for either a green card or a visa, you have to re- have a reason to come to the United States. So you have to have some kind of connection here. You have to have family here. You have to have a job offer here or and being accepted into a college or a university. And so for a lot of folks that don't have ties, existing ties to the United States, it's hard to get a green card or a visa. On top of that, there are limits to how many visas and green cards each country is allowed to give to its citizens each year, as well as the process is very expensive and sometimes can take up to 10 years to go through to even get a green card to come into the United States. So between time money and existing connections, say if you are someone who's low income from a developing nation who doesn't have any connections here and just wants to come here and start a new life, it's going to be nearly impossible for you to access visas and green cards. Okay. And so what is the biggest currently today, what is the biggest um, immigration population, those that want to get into the United States? Do we know that? So in terms of per country, no, Um, but we do know some of the top issues that people are going through. Mm -hmm. And so one of the issues that you've probably heard about at the U.S.-Mexico border is the issue of asylum. And so those are folks that definitely don't have ties here, but are fleeing persecution, are fleeing danger in their home countries. And so we have a program in the United States called Asylum that can grant protection to those families. And right now, um, the asylum laws really need to be updated and the process needs to be updated because there are so many people who need our help that our system is just overwhelmed and backlogged. And again, it was already a long process, but it's it's even clogged up even more. And so that's one of the biggest issues right now is trying to figure out how to help these folks that are coming um, from the Central America and from Mexico who need protections because we have ways to protect them just the the bureaucracy of it all is is slowing things down which is why you've heard about you know families being kept in detention longer than they should be you a couple summers ago you heard about kids being kept in really hot tents outside in the in the southern sun and so asylum is one of those big issues that we need to address okay now you talked about there's a number there's a cap on how many immigrants the country will take who decides that limit Each of the programs have a different decision maker. Um, And so, for example, visas and green cards are typically set by the Department of Homeland Security. They run all of the immigration programs. And so they decide how many visas and green cards are available. Same with how many uh, people can be granted asylum and how many refugees we can take. That's another category of people that we welcome in the United States. But But ultimately, Congress has the power to change our immigration laws. And so if we want to uh, welcome more people or if we want to figure out better ways to um, process folks, then Congress needs to change the immigration laws because what we're doing now is we're just working what we with what we have and what we have isn't working and isn't good. And so that's one of the reasons my organization, IJPC, is pushing towards immigration reform and finding ways to make the system better and work better to help more people. And again, in case you're just tuning in this morning, you're listening to part two of our two-part series on immigration. For more information, you can reach out to us on Facebook. You can follow us there, Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear on Facebook. You can also listen to us anytime you like. Just head to your favorite podcast app and subscribe to Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear. This morning, we're talking immigration reform. Right now, we're talking to Samantha Searle. She is with the Inter-Community Justice and Peace Center. Now, I want to go back and talk about refugees. 
Um, what do we know there and what does that mean for those that want to come to this country? So the refugee program is actually ran by the United Nations, and they have presence in lots of different countries, especially countries that are known for a lot of conflict and a lot of change. And so what happens is when uh, someone's family's displaced, someone's being targeted because of their political or religious affiliation or um, are experiencing some kind of trauma, they can go to these sites ran by the United Nations and apply to become a refugee. So once they are given refugee protected status, a lot of people spend their whole lives in what we know as refugee camps. Occasionally, uh, they have the opportunity to be resettled in another country. They have the opportunity to move and start new lives in other countries. And sometimes that's the United States. And so we have a program to accept and resettle refugees in the United States. And it's actually fairly similar to the asylum program in the fact that the people that we're helping are people that just can't stay in their home countries. They're in danger. And because we have so many resources and we have um, lots of opportunities for people to start new lives, a lot of people want to come and be resettled in the United States, especially if they already have family here. And so the refugee program is another thing that we need to make sure is working well, is treating everyone with dignity and respect. And once they get here, making sure that everyone has the social supports that they need so they can start successful lives. Okay. And obviously, we get those populations here in Cincinnati. We sure do. Okay, good. All right. So let's talk about the term undocumented. We hear that term. Explain to us what that means. So being undocumented is simply not having immigration documents. The The word explains the situation. So that means that that category of folks do not have visas. They do not have green cards. They are not protected by asylum status and they are not protected by refugee status. And there's lots of reasons why that might be, uh, why they don't, they may not qualify, they may not have the money or the time to wait to go through the process. There's lots of solutions that we need to look at to figure out how to get this group of folks protected from deportation back to their original countries. So for those that are living in the United States who are undocumented, how are they getting here to the United States? So there's two main ways people become undocumented. The first way is that they actually do come in on a visa or a green card and somehow it expires or they don't qualify anymore or they don't have the money to renew it, especially with visas. And so that's actually a a rising way people are becoming undocumented, that they had documents and then they lost them or weren't qualified for them anymore. The way that we hear about on the news and on social media is by people coming across the border, um, entering without permission. And so those are folks, like I said before, who can't afford to um, either time or money, can't afford to go through the visa or green card process. Also, these folks sometimes don't have ties to the United States, so they can't even qualify to get a visa or a green card. And, you know, it's really important to to hear these stories of folks who are undocumented because each of them have a different reason of why they're in the United States. Sometimes it's to they're desperate to find work and bring money home and feed their families. And, you know, that's something that I think a lot of people can relate to is trying to figure out how to have 
you know, three, four jobs to make ends meet. And so just because they can't go through the process, it doesn't mean that they should be denied the right to, to raise a healthy family. So there's, again, like I said, there's lots of reasons. And it's really important for us to understand why folks are coming. So that way we can change our immigration laws and you know, give more opportunities for more people to come and get green cards and visas. So nationally and locally, what are the numbers? Do we know how many people roughly are living um, here in the United States, here locally, that are undocumented? What are the numbers looking like? The number that's most quoted is there are 11 million people in the United States who are living here um, without papers. And a lot of those folks have been here for decades. Our immigration laws have changed a lot over the past few decades. There was a time when someone who lived in northern Mexico could come to the United States, work for a couple of weeks, and go back to their families. And our immigration laws changed a lot after September 11th, and they became more strict. And so a lot of families were already here before then and are still living here without access to visas or green cards. So 11 million people in the United States. And there are even more people who they themselves might not be undocumented, but they have a family member who is. And again, in case you're just tuning in, you're listening to part two of our two-part series on immigration. This morning, we're talking immigration reform. What are some of the difficulties? You talked on this. You talked about this. But let's talk more about this, some of the difficulties um, to citizenship that undocumented face. We talked about money being a huge barrier um, because you have to have legal fees. You have to get an attorney. And even when you do get the green card or visa what, one of them, I know that you have to go annually to be recertified, mm-hmm. and that's very costly. So let's talk about that, if you will. So some of the barriers to getting citizenship in simply include once you are here in the United States, it is very hard to – Uh, apply for visas and green cards. The process is designed for people who are outside, who are physically outside the United States as a process to apply to come in. We really don't have a process for people who are already here and have a chance to apply. So when folks say, you know, why don't they just get in line and apply for citizenship? There is no line for people who are already here. And if you think about what it would take to try to leave the country and then apply to come back in, it would take decades. It would take leaving your jobs and your families and your faith communities. And so that's why it's really important to address that specific barrier of once people are here to find ways to give them access to green cards and visas. The undocumented community also has a lot of struggles because they don't qualify for certain things that citizens do. So, for example, um, the undocumented community doesn't have access to the healthcare marketplace, and so a lot of them don't have health insurance. And so when it comes to trying to address a sickness or when it comes to thinking you have COVID, a lot of folks are hesitant to go to hospitals and to doctors because it's going to be really expensive because they don't qualify for health insurance. So that's just one of the million reasons why we need to figure out a pathway to citizenship for people who are already here. Now, we hear the term immigration reform, and I've been using it this morning. Um, Explain what that encompasses. Sometimes words are just catchphrases. So when we talk about, truly talk about immigration reform, what are we talking about? 
When we hear immigration reform, we are talking about looking at the entire immigration system and its laws. We're looking um, to Congress to change some of those laws, to make things more equitable, to make things more approachable and to help more people. We're also looking at all of the policies and procedures in how those laws get enforced. And when we say reform, it really is reform. We want to to look at every single piece of this because it's not just the undocumented community that are having struggles. It's also the a community at the southern border seeking asylum. It's also the refugee community trying to come be resettled in the United States. So reform really means reform. It's to look at the whole thing. And the, the main components of immigration reform, as I mentioned, is to create a pathway to citizenship, is to find ways for people who are already here to get green cards and visas to be able to stay. Okay. And so what do we need to do? What are the biggest, and I know that's a very broad question um, for those that are listening that want to help out. Um, what do we need to do? What? How can we help with these pathways? For sure. The biggest thing is to put pressure on Congress to change the laws. The Senate um, actually has a bunch of opportunities in front of them right now with pieces of legislation that have already passed the House of Representatives. There's a piece of legislation called the American Dream and Promise Act, and that specifically is for um, folks that I'm sure you've heard called dreamers or mm-hmm. DACA recipients who came to the United States when they were young and their family was undocumented. The, that specific category of folks doesn't have access to visas and green cards. So the DREAM Act would, would specifically address that group of people as well as a couple of others. And it, it might not be the comprehensive change that we desperately need, but it's definitely a part of the puzzle. And so there are pieces of legislation like the Dream and Promise Act, like the U.S. Citizenship Act of 2021, that would create these paths to citizenships. And the fact that most of those bills have already passed one house, we we just have one more hurdle to get over, and that's the Senate. And so we have been encouraging people, members of the public, especially if you're a registered voter, to call your senators to Congress and tell them to create a pathway to citizenship. And so there's other legislative processes that can create pathways to citizenship. For example, right now we're going through the budgeting process in the federal government, and there's even an opportunity through that process to create pathways to citizenship. So we need to put pressure, pressure, pressure on Congress. So we hear the term immigrants, and you know a lot of people don't associate, they may not associate immigration or immigrants with Cincinnati. But there are immigrants here in this city. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there are big populations of folks from from different countries. Um, Cincinnati is a great place to live. And there are a lot of opportunities to raise families and to, you know, make a living here. And so it's likely that at your child's school, one of your teachers is an immigrant. It's likely that when you go to the doctor, that person is an immigrant. It's likely if you attend a faith community, that person next to you, sitting next to you in the pew and in the sanctuary is is an immigrant. And so that's why it's so important that Cincinnati stand up and fight for immigration reform because it really does, it really does affect us here. It's not just a border issue. It's a people issue and it's our community issue. So help me to understand, if a person is in the United States, they're undocumented. They can be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then they have a child, mm-hmm. and that's born in the United States, 
Is that child then considered a U.S. citizen or how does that work? Yes. So um, if someone is undocumented and they have a child in the United States, that child was born on U.S. soil. And so that um, automatically grants them citizenship. So there are a lot of families, um, which the term is, is mixed status families, mixed immigration status families, where the children were born here because a lot of their parents have been here a long time. But the parents are still in this legal limbo because they don't qualify for visas or green cards. And so there are a lot of mixed status families in Cincinnati um, who have at least one family member who is undocumented. And again, this morning, in case you're just tuning in, you're listening to part two of our two-part series on immigration. In the studio with me now, we're speaking to Samantha Searles. Samantha is with the Inter-Community Justice and Peace Center. She's here this morning to talk about immigration reform. Now, you see this situation play out on just about every sitcom known to man. One of the characters from the sitcom, they decide to marry someone who is undocumented or from another country, does that then make that person a U.S. citizen by marriage? So uh, if an undocumented person gets married to a U.S. citizen, they do have a chance to get a visa or a green card because of their marriage. It is not as simple as it is in that sitcom. Mm -hmm. It is very complicated and takes a long time and often requires the undocumented person to leave the country and, again, apply to come back using the connection that they now have with their spouse. And so while it is a way that undocumented folks can access um, visas and green cards, it is certainly not as simple as we see on TV. It definitely is a good thing that that can happen, but there are so many other people that need protected as well. And so that's why we need immigration reform. And what do immigrants, in your opinion, what do they bring to the table? What do they bring to the country? Immigrant families bring so much passion and dedication and love for America. They uh, bring good ideas and start businesses. They employ U.S. citizens in those businesses. They raise families and uh, take essential jobs during the pandemic and risk their own safety to make sure that, that we were able to stay home during the height of the pandemic. The immigrant community is, is just like my family. They have a lot of things in common with us and are just like us in the fact of just wanting raised families and, and to have good lives. Okay. And so I would imagine for you, Samantha, the work that you do is very rewarding what is it like working with the immigrant population? What is that like for you? And I'm sure that you have some stories that stick out to you and that um, service you and that you, you're proud to be able to do this work. For sure. I feel very lucky and very honored to have this position because folks entrust their stories with me so that we can create legislative change that affects everybody. I feel just really, really honored to be trusted with some of those stories that are pretty traumatic and heartbreaking. One of the stories that um, we heard through our program, our youth leadership program called Yes, Youth Educating Society, was that the children of undocumented immigrants, so the children themselves are U.S. citizens, they were going to get their driver's licenses when they turned 16, just like any other American U.S. citizen. 
But at the BMV, they were facing um, discrimination because of their parents' immigration status. And so because folks trusted me with their story, we realized that this was a statewide issue. And we actually collected the stories of so many young people who had been turned away because the parents didn't have the right form of identification to sign off on their paperwork. And we actually filed a class action lawsuit against the BMV a couple of years ago saying these are U.S. citizens. They have the right to get their driver's license when they turn 16. And we won that lawsuit. And so now every 16 and 17 year old applying for their driver's license and their learning, their learner's permit have access to it now because someone trusted me with their story. That's one of the things that affects probably 3,000 to 4,000 people um, in the state of Ohio that we were able to change because someone shared their story. Well, we're out of time this morning. Thank you so much, Samantha, for taking time to talk to us. Very educational. Thank you for all you're doing in our community. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. We've been speaking to Samantha Searles from the Inter-Community Justice and Peace Center here in Cincinnati. Again, it's part two of our two-part series on immigration. If you missed any part of the show, all you have to do is go to your favorite podcast app and subscribe to Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear, and you can listen to the show anytime you like. You can listen to any segments that you may have missed. You can also follow us on Facebook at Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear on Facebook, or follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Rodney Lear on Air. Kristen here, reminding you not to do things. What I mean is, with same-day delivery for everything from gifts to groceries, you only have to do the things you want to do. To not do the other things, visit Shipt.com. That's S-H-I-P-T dot com. Peloton, let's go! This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.